episode 138 in the actor's room. My name's Jeff Tarowski. Last Tango in Paris, 1972, Marlon Brando opens up, reveals certain parts of his life on the camera. Director Bernardo Bertolucci did it. Not only did he convince Brando to do the movie, but he also allowed him to just open up about his past. Sort of like a therapist. And in this scene, I'm about to play for you a monologue by the main character, Paul, by actor Marlon Brando. It's intimate. It's real. And it's coming from the heart. Here it is. My father was a drunk, tough, whore fucker, bar fighter, super masculine. And it was tough. My mother was very, very poetic and also a drunk. And uh, all my memories, I, when I was a kid, was of her being arrested nude. We lived in a small town, <clears throat> farming community. We lived on a farm. And I come home after school. And she'd be gone or in jail or something. I used to, I used to have to milk a cow every morning and every night. I, I liked that, but I remember um, one time I was all dressed up to go out and take this girl to a basketball game. And I started to go out and my father said, you have to milk the cow. And I asked him, I said, would you please milk it for me? And he said, no, get your ass out there. So I went out and was in a hurry. I didn't have time to change my shoes, and I had cow shit all over my shoes. And on the way to the basketball game, it smelled in the car. And I don't know, just, I, I can't remember very many good things. Director Bertolucci wrote the screenplay. This was his film. And wanted only one actor to play the main character, Paul. Marlon Brando. He even mentioned it during one of their meetings before they got it going. And someone in the room raised their hand and said, I can make a phone call. Bernardo said, I'm sorry, you know Marlon Brando? 
And the guy said, "Well, I do have a connection. I can at least get him on the phone." The director was flabbergasted because, quite honestly, Bernardo, the director, was even a bigger fan of Brando than me, and that's saying something. <laughs> I'm a pretty big fan of Brando. This guy, Bernardo, was even a bigger fan than me. He felt if we can get him on the phone, wouldn't that be something? I loved Marlon Brando. He said. Very, very much, and that being in the beginning of this director's young career, getting a seasoned veteran like Brando off of The Godfather for crying out loud would have been just a marvelous thing. Well, he got him. Brando was interested. The director and Brando hung out a lot, talking about the script, talking in general about their lives, and more importantly. About sex. That's right. Sex, 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 sex. A lot of sex. Some sex and sex. And after that, they talked about sex. This movie is very sexual. <laughs> it's a very controversial film. And if you've seen it, you know what I mean. If you haven't, brace yourself and everybody else around you that might be in the room. There are moments very cringy. Dialogue. You go. What did Brando just say? <laughs> Because I can't believe he just said that. You talk about actors taking risks, going outside their comfort zone. This is a prime example. Brando took leaps with this role, with this film. The director taking risks. The young actress,、um, who Maria Schneider, okay, she was 19 when she did this sex odyssey film. 19. My daughter's 20. If she got anywhere near this movie just to watch it, I'd be upset. Now, mind you, Maria Schneider, young actress, got the role. Fine. Brando knew her father. Brando and her father had an apartment together in New York City way back in the day before anybody was famous. The connections in Hollywood, even in France, are amazing to me. But let's get back on track. Before we get into talking more about the film, I want to give a little background information on Marlon Brando at this time in his life in 1972. Uh, fresh off the Godfather, resurrecting his career. Be- before the Godfather, he struggled、uh, with flops and just bad choices,、um, becoming a menace on set. He was unruly, and a lot of directors, producers, production companies didn't want Brando around any set. His personal life a mess.、Uh, he just divorced his wife Anna Kashfi, his son Christian a mess. At that time, I believe Christian was probably teenager, getting kicked out of schools just like his dad.、Uh, went to a military school, got kicked out of there too. Just a mess. His、uh, wife Anna was an alcoholic, drug abuser, completely off her nut. Would just make things very difficult 
on both Brando and Christian, there's a lot of turmoil going on with Brando. And not only the home life, but he also was heavily involved with Tahiti projects. If you don't know this, Marlon Brando bought an island. When he did Mutiny on the Bounty, he fell in love with Tahiti. Wanted to go back there. Became very involved in the community. Learned French. It was a a French Polynesian island. He became very involved. Wanted to change the world by setting up certain experiments in Tahiti. So this was a big deal for Marlon. A lot going on in his life. But he needed money to make all of these things happen. Projects in his home life to resurrect a career. Godfather tipped it off. Last Tango in Paris just happened to come along at the right time. The success of The Godfather got everybody talking about Brando again for the first time in a decade. And we're anticipating this racy, controversial film done by the Italian director, Bernardo Bertolucci. The director developed the film around his sexual fantasies. Quote, he once dreamed, and this is the director, he once dreamed of seeing a beautiful nameless woman on the street and having sex with her without ever knowing who she was. End of quote. So this was all made up out of the director's mind, which is very similar to my Jacob Slatter episode with that writer, sort of having a dream about something and putting it into film, a sexy, sexual film. And Brando learned a lesson by taking upfront money, doing The Godfather, being impatient. And decided to take percentage points on this film. And that was a good idea. Because if The Godfather wasn't successful, Last Tango wouldn't have had the buzz. But because of Godfather's success, Brando felt, if I take percentage points on this film and it is mildly successful, I'm going to come out okay. Smart move. Not only was this film successful, but it was very successful. Brando walked away. In 1972, by the way, with $3 million just off the percentage points. $3 million in 1972 was a great deal of money. He did well. The director used inspiration from the um, artist Sir Francis Bacon. And if you notice in the beginning of the film, the credits come up and there's an art piece that's Bacon. And then there's another one that looks very similar. That's Bacon. And then the two art pieces come together at the end of the credits. Opening credits. And I'm looking at the art. Very similar. And then you see like the face is blurred. And around their sexual organs also blurry. And then the, the two portraits sort of come together. It signifies Paul, main character, and the other main character of Jean. Okay, we're going to talk about the film. My notes, as I watch the film, I jot stuff down. So I have my notes. And just uh, things that jumped out to me. uh, Things I had questions about. um, Other opinions 
although not many opinions. And then I'll remark on a Brando's performance and anything else that sort of comes along. And please leave comments about the show if you want. This may not be a popular show because I'm not talking about a documentary. But this was such a controversial film. It might get some hits. And I want that. I want people to sort of talk about the show. I do get that from some of my other podcast shows, but not when I talk about actors. Not when I talk about films. So this episode may only be for my hardcore fans and those who actually care about film, about actors, writers, right? It's about the performances for me. And I love older films. God, 70s films are the best. They really are. I've been diving back and trying to watch stuff from the 40s and 50s. I struggle. They're okay, but they're just, they're slow, except for uh, one of the films that I watched, His Girl Friday, was really fast. And then I watched another one yesterday, and that was really slow. So maybe I got to find one right in the middle. But for now, 1972, Last Tango in Paris, Marlon Brando's fine performance. When he did this film, he was 48. Folks, I'm 47. Marlon Brando was my age when he made this film. And he's at the top of his game, right? So, am I in my prime? I'm in my prime. It's going to be a sweet ride downhill from here. Right, folks? Because (laughs) Brando really doesn't do anything spectacular after this. I mean, he really doesn't. Um, He does give some interesting performances later in his career that I might mention in future episodes. Some good stuff. But this one in The Godfather, by goodness. So let's talk about the film. Here we go. The beginning. Brando places his hands over his ears and gives out a yell, a scream, just in frustration. Something's going on. He's upset and sad. The director filmed this in sequence, which I think is great. He had the opportunity to do that. It worked for the script. He was able to film from beginning to end for the most part, for my research. So we're talking from the very first days, working with Brando. The director is nervous. He's working with a legend. He even said so. He's, I'm, I was fucking freaking out. I have Marlon Brando, the greatest actor ever, right there. <laughs> He's going to be in my movie. And we've been talking for weeks. I think we're on the same page. But now it's actually happening. They're in the streets. You got the trains going overhead. It's, it's all working. And he tells Brando, go. Action. And what am I going to get from this guy? He's interested in the very first moments of Marlon Brando and Last Tango. And what does he do? He just, one of the very first things he does is he puts his ears, I'm sorry, his hands over his ears and just yells. Because the director was doing something stupid. He was filming Brando from the back. Brando's like, why is this fucking rookie? And he was. (laughs) 
filming me from the back. He should be filming me from the front. This makes no sense. So, in Brando's frustration, he put that moment in the film. The frustration that the director probably has no fucking idea what he's doing and what am I doing here. (laughs) But it was a great, great, great moment in the film. Whether Brando knew it or not, okay, this was going in the right direction. The director was uh, giving Brando moments. And the director seeing and witnessing and feeling what Brando gave him the first day. That moment. He felt, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. This is going to be amazing. The first day he's already blowing me away. I can only imagine what the rest of this is going to be like. And boy, I went on and on about the very, almost like the first moment of the film. Don't worry. It won't be like that for the rest of the way. But right off the bat, big for me. You know, when I do films, I mentioned how that first scene is so key. If, you're, if I'm doing a film, why would I start a, a film off just flat? You just don't want to do that. So right off the bat, boom, got me. What's going on with this guy? And there's definitely emotion. The emotion's there from the beginning. He's going through something. And then we see Maria. They pass each other. And little do they know, they'll be meeting each other again very soon. But they cross paths right in the beginning. I know Maria jumping over the broom. I like it. It, it works. She's very athletic. Uh, Paul, Brando's character, steals the key to the apartment for rent. Maria is interested in the apartment, and Paul is already there. She's scared by him, and of course she is. Some guy is just sitting there in quiet, very strange, eerie moment, but it happens. He stole the key to get into the apartment. How long has he been there? And he's just sort of sitting there being strange. And, and how the hell did he steal the key anyway? Okay, maybe the, the lady at the desk, she seems like she doesn't give a shit about her job. So maybe she was sleeping. And Brando, as Paul, was able to steal the key. <laughs> All right. I guess, okay, I guess that's not too big of a mystery. I like to dissect things a lot in the very beginning. So that's what I'm doing. I know. What the hell is underneath the white bedsheet in the apartment? It's pretty big. And when I watched it again for the first time in a while last week, it was one of the first things that just intrigued me. It looked like some sort of art project underneath this big white bedsheet. It comes down at the end, and you get to see what's underneath it. But it's sort of a mystery. Like, what's underneath that thing? It's significant in some way. I don't know what it is. It really isn't, but you think it might be. I know, is it? I don't think it is. I also feel that the apartment signifies purgatory for Paul. And um, I'm going to tell you why. Paul's wife 
kills herself in the film. And he's going through some shit. Okay, why did she kill herself? What's going on? And the apartment is sort of a purgatory for him to exercise his demons. So it's Paul and Jean in this apartment for rent. It's just two of them. And they're sort of flirting around with each other, you know, crossing paths, being all, you know, coy and all that stuff. And uh, the sparks fly within minutes and they end up, uh, you know, having sex right there in the apartment. They've known each other for a good, I don't know, solid five minutes. And I guess these things just happen, right? I mean, are you kidding me? Has this happened to you? <laughs> All right, I'm going to poll you. How many out there have uh, had sex with the partner, whatever, within the first five minutes of meeting them? Uh, it's pretty rare, pretty rare. Uh, but once again, the director's dream. This is his dream sequence. Meeting some stranger and the sparks flying so ravagely. You can't help yourselves. You got to have sex right there and then. Just do it. Right. And I want to note that the sex scene is very real. And I'll tell you why. It's not that overly sexy sort of romantic, sleek sex scene you usually see in film. Right. It's just right. And he's touching over here and she's touching over there and the kisses are just right. Oh, it's just, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, it's like poetry. I mean, it's, it's marvelous. Well, not this. This sex movie is very real in that way where the sex looks like two people having sex for the first time would look like messy, weird, uh, awkward, uh, it doesn't look like it are even enjoying it. That's like, it's almost like I, I had to do it. Or, oh, oh, and you know, I get the grunts and, the, and they fall off each other at the end. Like what the f- just happened? Oh, whoa. And then, I mean, within the first 10, 15 minutes of the film, you're like, what, what did that just happen? We're in for a ride. So Paul, the main character, lets it be known right off the bat that the apartment and their relationship, okay, is going to be quite different. There'll be no names. Everything outside this apartment is bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. So don't tell me names. I don't care about dates. You don't need to know who I am. I don't need to know who you are. Let's live in the now. This is vital in the movie, yes. But also in life and art, living in the now. I've expressed this before many times in my podcast in regards to acting. Moment to moment is so important. Listening. Studying your character and letting it go. Just let the moments happen. Don't think so much. De Niro. Great actor. I'm sure a lot of people would agree. Said that. The greatest advice you can give any actor. Young, old, whatever. Is don't try so hard. Because once you start doing that. You get in your head. And it's fake. He said just let the moments happen. 
although it seems so easy, it really isn't. And De Niro knew that. It took him time in his career to get that. It took Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, another phenomenal actor, took him years in the theater to finally find his footing. So it does take time. And for Brando's character as Paul in Last Tango in Paris, 1972. Okay. Brando in his career, in his life as an artist, also made him realize that himself. A lot of this script is improvised by Brando and Maria. It's just a conversation. John Cassavetes smiles upon productions like this. Real-time acting. Improvisation within the confines of the characters and the plot line. And if the director is fine with this and the actors are on board, you're in for an interesting piece of work. I put in my notes here that Brando playing with the little lampshade is important to him. It has meaning. That little lampshade. Take notice of that. He cares for it. And for some reason, like, it becomes like a central thing for him. And he gets very emotional when he holds it. You see Paul's aggression. He's going through like dangerous thoughts in his head that he's trying to contain. And, of course, uh, Paul and his wife, um, before she committed suicide, own a hotel. And that's how they make money. Brando's character, Paul, is from America. He's American. And he met his wife visiting the hotel. The wife is an interesting character. She cheats on Paul. um, And Paul knows this. The relationship is definitely scattered. A mess. And she ends up killing herself. I mean, it's a very dark film we got going on here. And Marlon taking on Paul. And dealing with death of a loved one. Is something Brando knew a lot about. And can identify with. And dealing with the wife that killed herself. Her mother is a central figure in this film. And Paul having to deal with her. The mom being a mom wants to know why. But so does Paul. He doesn't know either. And he's frustrated with the mother. Because she signifies that question he doesn't want to face. Because he doesn't know. And he wants the mother to just go away. Okay, At one point, the mother is bringing up having a service for the dead wife. And Paul lets it be known. That's not going to happen. Sorry, folks, for that pause. Outside my room, 
There was a noise, and I did. I don't know. Okay, I know what that is. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. I might erase that. I might erase my little part there. I'm, you know, hey, life happens, right? And with my podcast, life happens. Okay, <laughs> so I I sort of leave that in because that's life, and that's part of my show. Is that moment to moment stuff that I just talked about? So. A moment-to-moment thing is sometimes in my podcast, it happens. There was noise coming outside my door here. And I know what it is. Okay, It's my my kids. They're, doing, they're, they're making noise outside. And uh, I, I paused because I didn't know what it was. So we're going to continue on. Get back to my notes about the mother being a nuisance. And, and Paul just being frustrated with her. And you get that part in the film. And it's significant in sort of uh, making Paul realize that his relationship with his wife was really messed up. And I think he knew that before she killed herself (laughs) because she was cheating on him. He knew it. They would even talk about the other guy in the relationship. Think about that. I mean, I know there are relationships out there. They don't make sense to me, like open relationships and things of that nature. This stuff goes on. I don't understand it. Why get married? Don't get married then if you're going to be with other people. But in this film, this is sort of talked about. Cheating on your spouse and uh, sort of talking about it. This is really weird. But like I said, life sort of happening. And this script intrigued Brando because I think that uh, a film like this Got him to sort of delve into parts of his psyche. He liked to do that. As an artist, he delved into parts of philosophy that were fascinating. I mean, who doesn't like to sit around with a group of friends, people you trust, and just talk about life, all the mystery, all that stuff? We love it. I seek it out. Doesn't happen very often, right? But when it does happen, okay, you got a couple of drinks in you, right? You're feeling good. You open up a bit. You start talking philosophy. Brando loved that as a person. So if he was able to present that through art, in film, he was open to it. And the director was too. Maria, I don't know about. She was only 19 years old. Going on this journey with the greatest actor ever in the history of the world and some young uh, director that wanted to sort of (laughs) let the world know about his sexual fantasies through Brando in 1972. Before I move on to something else, the scene with the mother. Okay, (laughs) He gets frustrated and hits the door. This is Brando, Paul. He's pissed. He's fucking done with the mom. He does, he, he's done with the questions. Okay, the mom's asking, oh, when did she do it? Uh, it was at night. Oh, how did it happen? And you know, that bad of it. Oh, how did she die? And he's like, they're doing the autopsy. What did he want from me? I'm done. And he punches the door. Punches it. It wasn't in the script. It came out of Brando. It just His frustration came out. He went in violent. Violence. Violence. He didn't hurt anybody. He hurt himself. By hitting the door so hard, 
he nearly broke his hand. They had to go to the hospital, all that stuff. And the director felt, oh, shit, I'm sure I'm going to lose a few days with uh, Marlon. And I understand. He hurt his hand. But guess what? Brando was there the next day. Ready to go. He said, it's my fault. I punched the fucking door. I'm back. We're not losing any time. I love that. Brando wanted to do this movie. I don't care what anybody says. All the reading you do up about this film, how you feel about Marlon Brando, ah, he fluffed off acting in the later part of his life. and It was just a joke. Some of it was, yes. Not this one. He looked forward to coming on set of this sexual fantasy. Goes to show you how interested Marlon Brando was in sex. We mentioned that before. He loves sex. I mean, we all do, folks. We all do. But some a little more than others. He had many bed partners, all sorts of types, <laughs> orgies, things like that. We shouldn't be surprised. That's just who he was. He explored and sank his teeth into anything he could. He just did that as a man and as an artist. One of the most fascinating people to ever walk on this planet. Doing research on Marlon Brando is quite the journey. And I've done it many times because he's fascinating. In this film, you see the most of him. More than any other character he will ever do. You want to see the real Marlon Brando. Watch Last Tango. That's him. Paul is pretty much Brando. And the director even places in little tidbits about Paul that are mostly Marlon. He brings up Tahiti in this film. He brings up boxing and the fact that Marlon would box. And he did so on the waterfront. And just little tidbits. Do you see bongo drums around? Brando loved bongo drums. Bertolucci did his homework. He wanted to get into Brando's mind. And he did. He did. The scene where they're back in the apartment, Paul Maria. And she says, why don't we try coming without touching each other? It's a cute little scene. And they're holding each other on the floor. And they start trying to come without touching. And Brando, I love this. Brando sort of leans back. and he's, That look on his face, like he's actually trying to come <laughs> without, without touching her. And you know, they're, they're kind of making fun of it. Like, you know, is it working for you? Yeah. Is it, is it happening? And, and also because they don't uh, tell each other their names, they grunt. Brando says, you know, want to know my name? It's just going to be a sound. And I just love that whole improv thing. And let's mention that. Brando at this point in his career didn't want to learn his lines. So he'd have cue cards written up, put all over the place. At one point he wanted to have a cue card on Maria's ass. Director said, don't do that. But they were everywhere else. And the director had a sort of uh, uh, struggle with that, with camera angles, because he had to do the shots where you wouldn't see Brando's cards. Folks, I can't make this up. Brando felt, number one, learning lines, fuck that. 
I hear you, man. I don't like learning lines either. I wish they could just be implanted into your brain, right? You just have them. They're there. But you actually have to memorize. Sucks. Oh, I fucking hated that. But Brando did too. He hated learning lines. He got to a point in his career. Fuck that. I'm going to have cards made up. He put them on the walls. He put them on the ceiling. I mean, you see the classic Brando looking up like he's just deep thought and looking for inspiration. No, he's not looking for inspiration. He's looking for his lines. Folks, I'm not kidding. He was reading the ceiling. <laughs> but it works. That's the fucked up part. It works. You believe it. And it's real. And that's what Brando said. He goes, in real life, sometimes you look for words. Uh, yeah, it's true. This fucking guy. I'm sure he just frustrated a lot of people around the set. Lines everywhere. They're like, what the fuck is this? Who does this guy think he is? He's the greatest actor ever. Okay, so just let him do what he, whatever he wants to do. Yes, he's a pain in the ass. And they had to sometimes go find him on days where he was late. Same with Maria. She would be flaky in that way. Okay. There were people on set. Their job was to find Brando and Maria to get them on set. Actors. God. Fucking flakeheads, I tell you. An important aspect of this film comes when we meet Maria's boyfriend. Weird, dorky film student guy. He's making a film. Maria doesn't know about this. She's a little perturbed, but it represents the film within the film. Okay? And also Maria's frustration with being exposed with the director, Bertolucci, and now in the film with her boyfriend, filming her all the time, invading her space, her intimacy. Signifies what this film is all about. Taking you to places that are very uncomfortable sexually. And have it pertain to your struggles in your ego. It really is a brilliant film. And although the director and Brando struggled with its true meaning. There definitely were deep thought conversations going on behind the scenes that made sense when it was brought in front of the camera and through my research I found out that when they got on set every day the first thing that Brando and the director would do is huddle up and talk for hours about how they were going about their day This was the director, Bertolucci, and Brando's baby. Their project. Their art piece. Here's a peculiar part in the film. (laughs) Where the kids are taking a shit outside. What the fuck is that? Why even put that in there? Uh, People out there who have really dived into this film. What's the deal with that? Um... Why uh, are they showing kids shitting in the yard? I put, what the fuck? That was gross. 
I don't think you actually see shit come out of their ass, but I waited for it. I was like, well, am I going to see shit come out of this kid's ass? God, I hope not. One of the very next scenes, we have Brando in the apartment with Maria again and Brando on the harmonica. And I note how good he is with the harmonica. Is it hard to play the harmonica? I had one when I was a kid, like a play harmonica. And I would love just, you know, going to town on this harmonica. I would have it a lot. I would carry it around with me. Um, is it hard? It doesn't seem like it's too hard. But I note that Brando's pretty good at it. He can carry a tune on the harmonica. And also noteworthy is Brando speaking French. Brando spoke French. He learned it, and he spoke it quite well. He would even give interviews uh, speaking French. I, I thought that'd be fascinating. Brando was American. He grew up in, uh, you know, Nebraska, Illinois. Okay. Spent a lot of time in New York City. To learn another language later in life is hard. A lot of people say that. So I noted that. I felt that fascinating that he learned another language, French. And he spoke it quite well. With an American accent, yes. But he was able to speak it and understand it. Carry on a conversation, speaking another language. Thought that was noteworthy. Okay, this comes to the part in the film where Paul, played by Brando, gets intimate, opens up. I mean, this whole relationship between Gene and Paul. No names. We're not talking about the past. Everything outside this room doesn't matter. It's only us. It's only now. That's the only thing that makes sense or should make sense. Because that's what we need right now. Or that's what Paul needs. But we get an intimate look into not only Paul, but the real Marlon Brando. In that clip I played for you in the very beginning. Okay? You heard it. That actually happened to Brando. His past. Every single thing he says is true from what I get. And I find that interesting. Brando had a hard time opening up. Period. To friends, family, close people in his life were floored when they saw this film. They're like, what the? He's opening up to this director? To this film? How did he... What? How, how did this happen? The director somehow made it happen. Now, the rumor was that this... Uh, explosion of truth out of Brando was uh, sort of spur of the moment. The director somehow milked it out of him and it he just captured it and then put it in the film. That's not true. What my research tells me, this was uh, filmed, This that scene took three days to shoot. So that tells me this wasn't spur of the moment, sort of, whoa, we got this out of Brando. Holy shit, let's put this on film. No, mm-mm, nope, nope. Took three days to shoot. This was talked about. Director angles were put in. You notice, in great directing in, in this monologue, is you have Maria walking back and forth around Paul. And you see her shadow at certain points adds to the scene there was a lot of thought 
put into that scene. It wasn't just a, whoa, we got some, you know, precious gold here. Brando almost wanted it out there. And I find that intriguing. Someone so guarded in his life was able to let it just go on screen. And I told somebody just the other day about my interest in acting and how when I first started, it really just surprised the people around me, especially my mom, because she's also very shy, just like me. I take after my mom a lot. And when she saw me on stage, she was just, she couldn't believe it. Wow. Why Jeff? He, you know, very sensitive young boy, uh, very shy. She has a hard time just dealing with certain things. I mean, and I told this person the other day that I can't give speeches because I'm me and I'm nervous. And when I'm myself, I'm very uncomfortable. Okay. I was given an interview the other day for a position and my hands are I'm sweating uh, because I got to talk about myself. I struggle to do that. But you get me on stage, I'm a different person. I like that. I enjoy it. It's stepping into another realm, a comfortable place. The director was able to place Marlon Brando, one of the most guarded actors ever, into a a safe spot in his art and his life. And Brando was able to do something he couldn't do in front of friends to this director that he has known for maybe a month. Significant moment in film history and in Marlon Brando's life was on this film, Last Tango in Paris, 1972. I put there is great danger within Paul. And uh, I think I mentioned that before. It's hard for him to contain it. But you see him explode every now and then. Just coming out. And when you see his acting, right, that explosion, it's truthful. You could tell. Because it kind of comes out of nowhere. When he explodes, only a few times. But when he does, it kind of, whoa, it takes people by surprise. Like, holy shit. (laughs) That just happened. I love the way Paul slash Brando explores the apartment. There are several times in this film where he's just sort of walking around. And I love this. And not only this film, but other films as well. Where there's time taken. There's moments happening. Slow ones maybe. But there's exploration. That makes sense. You're in an apartment. You walk around it. You look at stuff. You pick something up. You feel the wall. You make it your own. This this whole thing where uh, taking in a room or just doing things lifelike makes sense to me. And Brando does this. He walks the room. He takes it in. He lets moments happen with him and whatever object is in front of him. He'll pick something up like the lampshades. He picks up all their stuff. Feels it. I love it. This, it's simple. Well, why is it so brilliant? I don't know. Maybe because it's so simple. And the dialogue back and forth isn't always this, that. Uh, it, it's overlapping. It, it's conversational. It's real. And it's in that scene 
where he picks up the lampshade again. He picks it, he finds it. He picks it up again, okay? And when Maria, the actress, Jean, calls him out that Paul has opened up to him, to her, him, to her. Ah, she says, I got you. <laughs> uh, you said, oh, you, we're not talking about names, baby. And you've been had. And he, I like the way Brando goes, what, do you think I was telling the truth? He goes, maybe, maybe. <laughs> and he's been, you know, he realizes he sort of let go there. And he opened up. That affects him as the character and Brando. Walking around there, like I said, exploring the room. Looking maybe for that lampshade. <laughs> and as soon as he finds that lampshade, he cries. And boy, does he cry. Real tears for Marlon Brando. There's another great scene between Paul and the mother-in-law. He's once again frustrated with her. Bites her hand. <laughs> he bites her hand. Nice choice, acting-wise. In shutting off the lights in the hotel to teach the mother-in-law a lesson. And that's when we meet the other man. Brando's... Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say enemy. Because it really doesn't seem that way. With the relationship between Paul and the other man. The man sleeping with his wife. And he knows this. He knows this other guy has been sleeping with his wife. He visits him. Uh, in one scene, Paul will actually go up to this other guy's apartment. And both of them are wearing the same robe. And the other man mentions that. That the wife bought them the same robe. She had the best of both worlds. Two guys. Very similar in some ways. And not in others. And she was having it both ways. Obviously. But I, I really note that scene. Between Paul and the other man. And how there's some playful banter going on. Back and forth. You know. The other man is. Why did she cheat on you? And then Paul asking why. The other guy has a, a flat belly. And what's your secret? Just playful sort of dialogue. But you can see the tension from time to time. There has to be. And I like Paul's final moments with the other man. He says, he finds him to be silly, the other man, and says, I don't know what she ever saw in you. And he walks out the door. I mean, good dialogue. And you have two actors very comfortable in that scene. You could tell. Might have taken a week to do that scene. It probably was three minutes, that scene. But a very good one in the film. I also want to note there's a scene where Brando is shaving. I know. Insignificant. Maybe. I'm intrigued when I see men on film shaving their face. This is why. This is kind of weird, but I'm interested to see how, <laughs> how other people shave. And uh, uh, there's a scene in Save the Tiger with Jack Lemmon where he's shaving. I love that scene. I don't know. Watching Jack Lemmon shave is interesting to me. How he does it. We all shave our own way. But I find it fascinating to see how other guys shave. Another example, there's a film called Hurley Burley with Sean Penn where he shaves and I love that scene too. 
watching him shave. And watching Marlon Brando shave is phenomenal. He takes time in lathering up with the shaving cream. I mean, he just, he's enjoying it. I guess he just enjoys lathering up with the shaving cream. I mean, it's beautiful. It's perfect. It was even, just wonderful. And he starts off going from the neck up to the chin. And he does it the way I do it. He goes up with it instead of down. Uh, But when he does his cheeks and his mustache, he goes down. And I find that fascinating because I start by going uh, down and then up. But he just went down. I know. Am, do I sound a little too uh, insane? That I find shaving intriguing, but I do. There's a little things like that. Wanted to point out the shaving thing, and um, yeah, there you go. Okay. <clears throat> I don't want this episode to be too long. We have to point out a few. <laughs> Intimate, important scenes in the film before I wrap it up. First off, the rape scene. Very controversial. All the things around it. A lot of question marks. Uh, uh, What really happened? How did it happen? Why did it happen? Brando sitting on the floor. Paul sitting on the floor in the apartment eating. He's got bread. He's got some water. He's got some butter. He's feeling kinky and wants Gene to uh, lie down and repeat after him. He's going to violate her. Uh, He takes the butter and he sodomizes her with the butter. Very uncomfortable scene to watch, but that's what Brando... Bertolucci wanted. They talked about it. Now, it was in the script. The rape scene was in the script. It's been said it wasn't. That's not true. It was in the script. It wasn't like Jean slash Maria was surprised by this. But was what was what well, I'm sorry. <clears throat> but what she was surprised with was the whole butter thing. That was put in at the last minute and kind of just threw her off. Put her on another plane, I guess. This is a 19-year-old naive girl. We can't forget that. Dealing with some conniving artists that want to put a spin on this very disturbing scene. They wanted to make her so uncomfortable in that scene to make it work. And guess what? They made her very Very uncomfortable. She expresses in interviews after the film for years how that scene fucked with her. So this is a very fine, thin line in art. When something like this happens, mind you, this is all simulated. Of course, she wasn't raped. But having someone like a Marlon Brando, one of the greatest actors ever, on top of you like that, gyrating humiliating you that will definitely fuck with you and it fucked with this young naive girl on the set of last tango in paris 
And both Brando and the director should feel ashamed because of it. Not feel, but I hope they felt ashamed. And what I don't like is... I guess Brando really didn't comfort her after the scene was done. Bad look. If you see she's struggling a bit, okay? Should have hugged her or maybe he just, you know, wasn't in the mood or the right frame of mind. I mean, who God only knows what the hell was going on in that set. Doing a movie like this had to be so freaking weird. I give credit to these actors. They can go out on a limb and do stuff like this. I mean, we're talking just otherworldly stuff. Uh, just jagged edge. Jagged. To do stuff like this. But I do want to note that Brando and Schneider, okay, the actress who was somehow, not somehow, but in some way violated psychologically by this, uh, they were buddies. They were. Before this happened and afterwards. They even kept in touch years afterwards. They were okay. I think it was the director she was pissed at the most. For just allowing that to happen. Okay. You know, he was driving this ship. Brando was on board, yes. But the director guides it, steers it. You know, they're pulling the strings. And this guy was definitely pulling strings. And Maria, the actress, she had a problem with it. And she didn't let it go until the day she died. Paul walking in. Dealing with the dead wife in the casket, all the flowers around. What a creepy scene. Creepiest scene in the movie. There's a lot of disturbing scenes in this movie. <laughs> Interesting scenes. But this scene, whew, where he just kind of lays it on the line, his frustration with her, committing suicide. Uh, from what I understand, um, there were definitely cards on the ceiling. He looks up a lot. Okay, but this scene, he nails it. Brando nails that scene. Uh, every line, every word, it, it, it's, it's filled with meaning. Uh, there's definitely some very personal things going on. I think, and I heard that Brando used his own mother as inspiration. Okay, uh, for that lady in the coffin. It's like he was talking to his mother. Think about that. If you listen to my Brando Redux episodes, really think about that. Creepy stuff. Intimate. Creepy and interesting. Okay, to wrap it up, Paul realizes he wants to spend the rest of his life with Gene. Okay. Great. <laughs> Whoa. You know, wow. You know, uh, this whole apartment thing works out. You know, Paul uses the apartment and Gene to find himself. And there's one thing he really does know. He wants Gene. And Gene's going through it. Okay, she just got pretty much raped. Okay. And she doesn't know how she feels about Paul. But what she does know is that there's no future here. Okay. For him it seems great. He's 48. Well he says he's 45. 
But a 45-year-old man with a 19-year-old girl, of course he wants her. But what kind of future is she going to have with him? I mean, in 10, 15 years, the guy may not even be able to get it up anymore. I mean, and she'll be like, in her, she'll be like 30. What kind of life is that? Anyway, he wants her. She's like, get the hell away from me. They have one last little hurrah at the uh, the ballroom. They're dancing. You see a very free and loose Marlon Brando acting performance in that ballroom. Take note. Look at how free and a little drunk Marlon Brando is at the end of Last Tango in the ballroom. He's playing around with the dialogue. He's improving with Maria. They're having a few drinks, having cigarettes. They're dancing, making a ruckus, having a good time, just enjoying the day. And he's thinking everything's going to be great now. I get it. I got this beautiful young woman. <laughs> I feel great. Okay. I'm she could she could be my muse. You know, this is gonna be fantastic. And she's like, uh, no, not gonna happen. Get away from me. We're done. We're through. He keeps at it, follows her, uh, stalks her a little in the streets. He won't let go. She gets to her apartment once again, chasing her. A little scary. She's scared for sure. She wants nothing more to do with this lunatic. She gets to her apartment. He's right there. He gets in. She's at a like a closet. And he approaches her. And this is great. He says, I want to know your name. Whoa! That's that line. He crosses it. He really wants to get intimate with her. Not just sex, but he wants to know who she is. He's ready, right? She's not. She's got a gun and she shoots him. I guess Brando decides to stick the gum underneath the uh, balcony. That was his choice. That wasn't in the script. <laughs> and I guess he, mor- uh, he muttered something under his breath in some sort of Tahitian dialect. And the director's like, what did you say? I got to know. And this is the last thing in the film. You just sort of muttered something. What did you say? And he said, I'll never tell you. Brando, at the very last moment, had something that he could keep for himself. Last Tango in Paris, 1972. Very controversial. The director opened up Brando. How did he do it? Brando said he felt so vulnerable making this. He'd never do it again. And then he sort of brushed it off years later. Said, ah, you know, it's acting. Ah, So I let go a little bit. No big deal. No, it was a big deal. And so is this movie. I hope you enjoyed the show. It's been a while since I've done the show. It was fun to do. Got a little excited. I do that. That's just me. I hope you enjoy the show. I don't do them that much anymore. I do them when I'm inspired. I don't want to feel like I have to do a show. I do a show when I want to. And I wanted to do this one. Came out of nowhere. I was flipping through. I saw Tango and went, you know what? I haven't seen that in a long time. I even sat down and concentrated and watched this movie from beginning to end. And then I watched it again and took notes. Phenomenal. And then doing the research on it, 
finding out little tidbits of information, priceless. If you've never seen Tango, warning, disturbing. Language, brass, very brass. <laughs> or brash, brash, not brass. Brass? Brash. <laughs> brass. What does that mean, brass? Okay. I'm going to break away. Going to break away. Hope all is well. Continue to have a wonderful holiday season. Watch Christmas films. I haven't watched it many. It's all going by so fast, isn't it? God. 2024? What? I can't even wrap my head around that. 2023 was a blur. Did it happen? It's going to be over before it started. I mean, it just started. I can't get over this. I can't believe it. The way time is going so fast. Enjoy every moment that you can. Cherish it. All the good times. Even the bad times. Because they make the good times just that much better. Watch that movie tonight. Enjoy it. Appreciate all the hard work and weirdness that might go into it. I mean, there's a lot of components, attitudes, uh, opinions, strife, sweat, tears, and blood put into some of these productions. They mean so much to the director, the writer, the producers to put this together and present it to us. And some of them out there are true works of art. They make you think. You are astonished by what you see or hear. Aren't these the films you want to see? Last Tango in Paris is one of them. One of Brando's best, if not his best. I mean, you got The Godfather. You got On the Waterfront. And you have Streetcar Named Desire. Also, Reflections in a Golden Eye. Mm, that's a good one, too. I hope all is well. God bless you. Have a good one.